I have a dear friend and colleague who was once charged with planting a new United Methodist Church. And I got to tell you, of all the tasks in ministry, I think church planting is the most difficult. I have tremendous respect, true admiration for church planners because the work is just so challenging. The hours are so long. And it's the kind of work that sometimes feels risky because it doesn't always bear the sort of fruit that we wish that it would. Many, many church starts ultimately fail. But my friends did not. His church launched successfully, and people were joining and learning about Jesus and engaging in wonderful ministry. Things were going great. And it was about that time that she showed up. A woman who smiled and hugged my friend on her first Sunday and joined a couple of weeks later and then began to systematically pick my friend apart. It seems she felt that there was just one right way to do things, and my friend didn't measure up. She judged him lacking as a pastor. And one of the ways she let him know this on a regular basis was that she would mark up the worship bulletin every Sunday and then leave it on his desk so he would find it on Monday morning. It was always something. She didn't like the way he made the announcements. She didn't like the stole he chose for that week. She didn't like the way he stood or gestured with his hand. She didn't like the story that he told in his sermon. She didn't like the hymns that were selected. She didn't like the way the bells sounded that week. It was always something. Now, he tried to address her concerns. At first, he would call her every Monday afternoon to talk about these criticisms, these suggestions, but he eventually stopped because... She was never, ever satisfied. Yes, it seemed there was only one way to do things. It was her way, and if things were not done like that, it wasn't just wrong, it was heresy. Now, in all fairness, this same woman dished out quite a bit of harsh criticism and judgment to other people in the church, Sunday school teachers, church leaders, and the like, and I'm not sure how they received that from her. But I do know that in my friend's case, it truly began to hurt his spirit, to tear him down. He told me he had some Mondays that he sat in his car in the church parking lot, dreading going inside because he knew he would find that bulletin with her suggestions on his desk. He said that for some reason she seemed to believe that offering harsh criticism, that judging others just went along with the Christian life. And my friends, the Apostle Paul observed the same thing going on in the church in Rome. The church was growing rapidly. Christianity was spreading like wildfire, and all kinds of people were joining the movement, Gentiles and Jews. And they brought with them their traditions, their religious preferences. Some, for example, sincerely believed that the Jewish Sabbath needed to be observed strictly, while others sincerely didn't believe that. They thought that all days were holy and one didn't need to be lifted up among all the others. It's more important. There were some who felt that fasting was essential, that you had to engage in fasting as part of your religious life, and others didn't agree with that at all. They didn't practice fasting. Some were meat eaters and some were vegetarians. There were lots and lots and lots of differences. 
And you know, those differences really shouldn't have been a problem, but they were. Because people in the church began to personalize those things and then turn in harsh criticism and judgment on their brothers and sisters who didn't share those opinions, didn't practice their religion the same way. Paul saw this. He saw the damage it was doing to the church. People were being hurt. The church was being divided, and so he felt like he had to stand up and say something. Who are you to judge another, he said. Wow. Paul was not one to mince words, was he? Who are you to judge another? What's important, he says, is that people are sincerely trying to live lives that honor Christ. That's what matters. God is the only ultimate judge. So cut it out. See, friends, I I think Paul understood that when we hear and embrace the gospel, it changes us. When we have the gospel running through our veins, somehow our sensitivity is heightened and we feel things more deeply. We care more deeply. We care perhaps more than we've ever cared before. And sometimes an unhealthy way that that care is expressed is by criticizing and judging others in an effort to try to get them to measure up. I'm afraid that through the years, I've known some folks who have really hurt others, really caused them pain, even made them afraid in the church, hurt the church, damaged the church, all in a misguided effort to express how much they love Jesus. But you know, friends, there is a flip side to this that sometimes we don't address, and that is the terrible burden that we take on ourselves when we buy into the idea that we are the sole arbiters of what is right, that it's our responsibility to make sure other people fall into line. My friends, that is a terrible, terrible burden to take on, don't you think? The responsibility of that. We are putting ourselves in the place of God. No person should have to bear that burden. None of us should have to carry that responsibility. That is why the Apostle Paul points out that the ultimate judge is God. It's not our ultimate responsibility, is it? So what this means, friends, is that when it comes to things that are not kingdom issues, we can relax a bit. We can let it go. We can trust God to be the judge. And we, when we then are freed to use our energy and our gifts to build people up, to affirm them, to love them rather than judge them. And you know what, in the long run, I really believe love is more powerful anyway. If we want to affect change, if we want to help people transform in the name of Jesus, well, I think love's the way to do it, don't you? In all of my life, I've never seen real transformation occur because someone was harshly criticized or judged. It's love seems to transform like that. And after all, I think 
Jesus demonstrated that with his own life, don't you? I wish very badly that I could tell you that that woman eventually stopped picking my friend to pieces, but she did not. All the years my friend served that church, her harsh criticism and judgment continued, directed at him and at others. It only ended for him when he was appointed to a church very far away and he moved out of her reach. But I've thought about her many, many times. I've wondered about that woman. I've wondered if a day ever came that she allowed Jesus to change her rather than to try so hard to change other people. I've wondered if she ever woke up one day and realized that her shoulders were stooped and her back was aching and her hands were drooping because of the terrible burden that she had chosen to bear. And I pray for her emancipation. And I ask God to help me remember that I can fall into the same behavior because it can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. If we are not mindful, if we're not self-aware, all of us can begin to believe that we have the responsibility to offer criticism and judgment so that others will fall into line. My friends, my word to you this morning is to let it go. Let it go, let it go, let it go. The world really doesn't need more criticism and judgment. It desperately needs to be loved. And it's through loving, I think, that it will be transformed. So let it go. Spend your energy building up and affirming and loving extravagantly. And leave the judging up to God, who after all is the only one who's really qualified to be the ultimate judge. Let's pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks. For if by your grace we know forgiveness. Lord, help us to be open-hearted and loving people who spend less time judging and more time loving in your holy name. Amen.